With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome back to the Sky U Podcast by The Daily Gopher. I'm Chris, Go AU Fur. With me this week is Andy, Gopher Guy 05. Hello, hello. Blake, Iowa Gopher. Always a pleasure. And joining us for the first time this season is Steve, Zips of Akron. We are back and it is basketball season. It is officially basketball season. And they won and everything. They've won twice. It's 2-0. and you know, I have I have a tendency to kind of forget the first game somehow. I don't know why. I just haven't actually recorded the Omaha win in my head for some reason. So I'll work on that. I'm clearly not in full season form yet. Uh, before we get to basketball, though, we're gonna we're gonna start with uh, football and the surprising win over Purdue. Uh, Blake, I mean, give us some thoughts, man. Andy and I had a chance to talk about it after the game, and of course, we both have absolutely no idea what the hell happened. Do you have any idea what the hell happened? I mean. Joe Rossi is what happened. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I've, I know what he did. I mean, he just simplified things on defense a little bit and let the linebackers play instead of having them think constantly. But, I mean, still, I don't think anybody expected that kind of improvement. I mean, this is a really good Purdue offense. They're averaging, I think, like 330 yards passing per game, 33 points per game, and uh, Minnesota, Minnesota held them to 145 yards passing and a season low of 10 points. Uh, not to mention, like, the ridiculous fact that they were 0 for 12 on third down. That's my favorite stat of, like, the entire season. That's absurd. Like, that's absurd. That I mean, there's some luck involved there, but that you you got to feel pretty bad about your offense if you can't convert a single third down. I think they were 1 for 3 on fourth down, too. Yeah, and, and Andy, wasn't, wasn't there a fourth down or conversion on, like, the garbage touchdown anyway? Yeah, they ended up. I think they ended up something like three for five on fourth down, technically, and except for the four-inch QB sneak, I think both of them came on the last drive of the game. And really, what what decided this game was like two things that they haven't been able to do all year: stop offenses and get a consistent rushing game. Because at halftime, I was like, you know, if they can get a, you know, once they had Cashman's touchdown, I was like, if they can actually run the ball and take some time off the clock and just you know run out the game. They've got this ball in hand, and sure enough, that's what they did behind Mohamed Ibrahim and Bryce Williams. So, I mean, the offensive line's playing well, defense is playing well. Um, my big thing, though, is, is can they sustain that over the next two weeks? Because, I mean, the competition, we will get into Northwestern, Wisconsin's down, but still, they've, they've struggled against lesser teams. So, um, consistency would be key. But, Jen, honestly, I'm curious uh, what the view from the stands was like. And if Steve was there, I'm going to be curious for his thoughts. Uh, so we're sitting on the um, the end zone, or standing, I should say, opposite the student section. And I'll be honest, I thought the game was over when Demetrius Douglas dropped that uh, wide open, like, 30-yard oh, pass. <laughs> I, literally, I literally walked away and went to the bar for five or ten minutes just because I was like, all right, this is how it's going to happen today, you guys. That was that was brutal. And honestly, there's, a, there's like, I think I get here, USA Bay photo of the drop, and it's just, uh 
uh, happened in slow motion. But it was okay. So you know how it was super cold out, but it's like more cold because it was so cold this early in the year. So it feels like it's like 25 degrees below zero. Barely made it through the game, but boy, us and the other 5,000 people that were there, superstars. I say, yeah, God, God bless you for being one of those 5,000 people that that showed up and you know cheered them on. Yeah, I was, I was. Like I was <laughs> I'd say the first shot of the of the stands, the game. I was like, let's let's not do that. Just show just show the field. We don't need to see the stands. But uh, you know, credit to those those Gopher faithful like you that show up every Saturday. Yeah, the uh, the eight Summit EPAs from New Sally's really really helped us out there. You know, whatever it takes, that's that's what matters. As long as you're in the stands, you know, whatever got you there, I'll take it. How are we feeling about, uh, hey, Blake, how are we feeling about uh, Emmett Carpenter this year? Uh, Emmett Carpenter, you know, has, he really hasn't done much this year. And, like, in terms of field goals, I feel like they this just hasn't been an offense that's needed him that much. You really don't hear his name. I know I think he had one bad game earlier in the year, but other than that, it's been kind of a quiet year for him. And I think he's, uh, is he a... Junior or senior? Oh God, Andy, I'm looking to you on that one. Carp's a senior this year, so he is. Uh, he'll be kicking in his final home game this week. Wow, it's it's been kind of an anonymous year for him. So hopefully he's got plenty of field goals to kick. He's, there. He started. He started out really strong too. Like he had a, that game with the two over fifty yarders. Got the Big Ten player, special teams player of the week. Then he had an off game, and then it seems, you're right, it seems like it's been pretty quiet since then. Well, minus, like, I remember Ohio State just because he missed those two. But Well, it's weird. We actually have an offense that can relatively score this year, so it's, he's not needed as much. Yeah, I was talking uh, with uh, Emin Wildcat from uh, Off Tackle Empire earlier today, recording a little podcast that will drop after this one, and... It was just fun to be able to say we have over three wide receivers all capable of beating your completely depleted secondary and have that be a truthful statement that wasn't wishful thinking. I, I don't know quite what to do with it yet. Because have we, have, we, have we had an offense with this many wide receivers like in the last 15, 20 years? No, I mean, for the end of the year, I was going to take a look at, like, once we have the final stats, just how good this offense has been compared to, like, the historically feudal units we've had the past you know decade or so, but I can't remember. And these are all freshmen, so I can only imagine what's going to happen. You know, two or three years under what that wide receiver core is going to look like. But I just yeah, I don't think we've had this many good, talented wide receivers in one in one season before. It's it's honestly I mean, just very un, very unlike Minnesota football. In, in case Logan Payne, Ernie O'Wright, and or Jack Simmons are listening to this podcast, they just basically threw their electronic device to the ground and are swearing at you guys right now. But hold on, that was that was not Jack Simmons. That was Logan. Oh no, Matt Spade. You're thinking of Matt Spade? Because Jack Simmons was Tim Brewster era. Uh, well, they, I'm pretty they, sure was, they stretched into 06-07, too. They all overlapped at one point or another. But would you but would you be able to argue that that group was better than this group? Well, no. I was just saying if they were listening, they just got pissed at you for saying that they weren't as good as you know they were. Love y'all, but truth is truth. Well, hey, if you are listening, Ernie, Logan, or Jack, you know, give us shoot us a tweet. Let's let's podcast. Let's talk it out. <laughs> I like that idea. All right. Um, 
Northwestern, Blake, I, I, you've, I know you're ready to, to write a great preview about, for them as, as always, but let's just do a podcast-style version. Um, what is your opinion on how they managed to win the Big Ten West? I mean, someone had to win it, and they won the most games of anyone in the Big Ten West in the Big Ten. I mean, this is a team I love, that went I'm sorry, forward. I love your literal answer there. They won the most. They won the most games. Honestly, that's that's the easy, That's the simplest answer. I mean, this is a team that went 0 and 3 their non-conference schedule, including a loss at home to Akron, where they allowed 39 points. So 0 and 3 non-conference. And this team is going to the Big Ten Championship with two weeks left in the season. And they're a 6-4 and four team. And Sanders and Poors hates them. They're ranked 77th out in the country. Um, <laughs> I want to say they've beaten, I, I mean, they beat teams that were ranked at the time, Michigan State, Wisconsin, and Iowa. But all three have since dropped out of the top 25. And they had to squeak out games against Purdue, Nebraska, and Rutgers. And, you know, all three of those games decided by four points or less. I mean, they based, they they were just good enough to win the Big Ten West. It's honestly bizarre. They're just such an unremarkable team. Um, it just I think it speaks to how bad the Big Ten was this year. I mean, even I think Bill Connolly had a column um, today Tuesday um, trying to explain you know the unexplainable, like how did Pat Fitzgerald's worst team in like seven years win his first conference division title? Um, it just it sort of defies ex- explanation. But somehow, yeah, they're going to play probably Michigan or Ohio State, Indianapolis. So I mean, good for them. I liked I like his description of Minnesota when he was walking through all the teams that had to kind of cough things up to make it easier for Northwestern, and how he described Minnesota as schizophrenic this year, capable of doing that thing they did to Purdue, but then you know Illinois at the same time seemed seemed very apt. Also, uh, I don't want to alarm anybody, but um, the early lines are in for the for the Gophers Northwestern. Um, out of out of Vegas, and it's only a two point spread at this point. I, I mean, mean that's, that. that's horrifyingly that, close. That's not all that shocking if you assume the fact that they probably start their lines. I don't know this for a fact, but I would assume they start their lines with some form of model. That's where they get some of their baseline from. And if you look at uh, which, what apparently I, I guess Blake is now referring to Bill C's model as a FIFA rating shop, but. Uh, if you look at S and P, uh, Northwestern 77 and we're like 53, which knowing how his model usually handles that kind of a, a difference with us also getting the bump for being at home. I mean, I think his model is going to predict us to be winners by about three points, somewhere between two to five points, somewhere in there probably. And I would assume that Vegas is coming from the same place. Plus, then they you know adjust it because they want people to, you know, to get the line fairly evened out if they if they can. So, <laughs> all those extra you know monetary considerations that Bill C doesn't worry about in his model. Um, so in that regard, it's not that surprising actually that's that close. It just feels really weird because we're talking about Northwestern who managed to be a division champion, and Minnesota who managed to lose to Illinois. So, well, let's just get that win and get that Red Box Bowl bid. You know what I mean? Hell yes, Red Box Bowl for the win. R.I.P. R.I.P. Blockbuster Bowl. <laughs> former Foster Farms Bowl. Former what? Emerald Bowl. <laughs> uh, there was yeah the San Francisco Bowl and a couple other things that was named. Um, all right, so offensively, we, we, you, you Blake, you called Northwestern unremarkable in general. Um, 
is Clayton Thorson actually a first-round pick? And you can just use that as a transition to talk about the rest of the offense. Uh, I mean, the first round depends on, you know, what sport you're talking about. I mean, I don't think it's football. Um, I'm not sure what his skills are otherwise in other sports. But, I mean, he's a four-year starter. He doesn't really play like one. He's, I mean, he's, he's struggling right now pretty mightily. I think the last four games alone, he's only completed like 50% of his passes. and has, He has more interceptions than touchdowns. Um, I think uh, on the season he's got... 12 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. He's just a guy that and he's got good legs. He can extend plays, but his decision-making just hasn't been there. Um, and he's been pretty inaccurate. He's just, he's just wildly inconsistent, um, which is you know, weird for a, a four-year starting quarterback. But, you know, it's Northwestern. What are you going to do? Um, he does have a couple of good wide receivers, um, Flynn Nagel and this name I'm going to mispronounce, Bennett, I think it's Scourneck. I'm not sure exactly how to say it, but um, – and weirdly, their best receiver, who leads the team in receptions, receiving yards, Flynn Nagel, he has two touchdowns in the year, and they came in the same game. So um, this isn't exactly an explosive offense with a ton of playmakers. Um, and I don't, I would hesitate to call it a good offense. They've, to me, they've just been good enough. Um, arguably, their breakout star has been their freshman running back, Isaiah Bowser. So they, they had a little bad luck to start the season. Their leading rusher after the first two games, Jeremy Larkin, he retired from football due to medical reasons. Um, and then his backup, John Moten, struggled for, I think, four or five games, and then he suffered a season-ending leg injury, or he just hasn't played since then. Um, so they brought they brought in um, this Isaiah Bowser. I think he had all two carries his first six games of the season, um, but his last four games, he's averaging more than 100 yards per game. He's got four touchdowns, so he runs around a pretty good offensive line. They've got four upperclassmen in the starting five and maybe three seniors. So um, that's that's the name to watch out for. You know, I, I don't know what to expect from Thorson. It's going to be either the really good four-year starter or the guy in the past few weeks who's looked totally lost like a freshman. So to me, the guy that to key in on is Bowser because he's been their most consistent performer um, on offense. But yeah, really, I'd not. It's just very they're very unremarkable, but their defense has kept them in game, these low-scoring affairs enough that they've muster just enough offense um, to win the game. I mean, do they have anybody left on their defense who can stop Minnesota? Uh, I know their secondary is depleted, but as I recall, their run defense is okay. Like, break, kind of break down what, what we should expect from Northwestern on defense, I guess. I mean, they do hang their head on stopping the run. Um, they've been a little consistent, but that's that to me is the through line for the season is they've been able to um, stop opponents from rushing. They're, I mean, they're worth was, you know, one week they hold Jonathan Taylor from Wisconsin to, I think, 46 yards and 11 carries. Another week they let Nebraska's um, Divino Zigbo rush for 159 yards and two touchdowns. So they've little bit, been a little bit inconsistent, but I think um, you're gonna, we're going to need to see more of the offensive line from Minnesota that we saw in the second half against Purdue. Um, they're going to want to impose their will on that defensive front um, and find some running lanes for Mohamed Ibrahim and Bryce Williams. But um, I do think that the secondary situation will help the running game because I think that I, I would <laughs> I would hope Minnesota plans to attack a secondary that's missing three of their four starters. Um, their senior cornerback, Montre Hardage, he's supposed to be one of the best corners in the Big Ten. He's out with a hamstring in, injury. Their other cornerback, Trey Williams, is out with an ankle injury. And then one of their safeties, Jared McGee, is out with an undisclosed injury. Um, and with those, even with those three starters, they weren't that good against the pass um, to begin with. So 
I hope Tyler Johnson, Rashad Bateman, and Chris Hoppenbell are just kind of chomping at the bit um, to go at this secondary because um, there's just a lot of inexperience back there. Um, and I think with how good Northwestern is against the run, they're going to want to attack that secondary and kind of get, get guys out of the box and open up the um, – there's some running lanes a little bit for them. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, I, I don't necessarily think Minnesota needs to run to win. Um, they just have to be able to take advantage of that secondary. And I think we've seen I mean, this year the most consistent thing about Minnesota's offense has, has been their wide receivers. I mean, they have drops occasionally. Didn't have a great first half against Purdue, but um, I trust Kirk Shiraka um, will put them in a good position um, to get open and get some yard, chunk yardage. So we'll, we'll see what Saturday brings. Well, Saturday is going to bring senior day. Um, we know that that's coming. Is there, Andy, I'm going to start with you. Is there, is there a particular senior that you're going to miss the most? Well, yeah. I mean, the interesting thing will be is, is you know, right now Minnesota has 13 players listed as a senior, a redshirt senior on their roster. Um, but when you take away Shannon Brooks and Rodney Smith, who should be coming back, barring something crazy happening here in the offseason, you realize that the Gophers only have, you know, 11 guys, actually 10, excuse me, because O.J. Smith supposedly should be coming back for another year as well. So um, if, if Minnesota's going to sign a full another 25-man recruit class, uh, something's going to have to give with a lot of the redshirt juniors as well because they're going to have to find scholarships somewhere along the line. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how many redshirt juniors uh, end up walking on senior day on Saturday and, and will not come back for uh, for another season. Um, you know, going back to what you said, if, if there's any one senior who's going to be uh, who's going to be leaving, who I'm going to be missing a lot, um, you know, uh, there's a couple really good possibilities. I'm a, I'm going to go with uh, Jacob Huff. Uh, Jacob Huff sort of, you know, developed in the last two years into a really quality starting safety in the Big Ten. Um, he's, he's been a ball hawk. Uh, he's led the Gophers in interceptions the last two seasons. Um, really is, has turned out to be a really good player who sort of came out of nowhere a couple seasons ago, and I think uh, he'll be one that Minnesota definitely will, will miss next year. Blake, anybody that you're uh, not looking forward to losing? I mean, how, how can you not love Blake Cashman, he's the you know well, former walk on, and he's turned into one of the best players on the defense. You know, he started out as a special teams guy, and now just you see him flying around the field. Um, and the last season he didn't, he didn't get to play much, but I'm I'm happy to see that this year he's kind of found his his groove again. And as I, I think he's he may not get the respect he deserves nationally, but I think that in the around the Big Ten, I think he at least people at least know his name and know who he is. And I I will definitely miss him. I think he's just a great defender and. I'm not sure about his NFL prospects, um, but I wish him nothing but the best in the future. I think he's done a lot, a lot of good um, at Minnesota. Steve, anybody that uh, you're gonna you're gonna be sad to see go? Well, you know, I called him out earlier, but uh, Emmett Carpenter. I've always called him the dentist because he's always drilling, and I'm gonna be sad to see him go because he <laughs> never seems to miss, except for the Ohio State game. But besides that, you know, he's always drilling. <sighs> Oh, uh, and you're going to lose out on a quality dad pun. I know. <laughs> it's really a shame. It's just a, just a, just a bummer all around. Um, He's got 109 points this year, though. That's crazy. What's the Minnesota record for that? Anybody have an idea? No, sorry. That was 2016. My bad. Never mind. Is, is, that, is, is his 2016 the Minnesota record, or has Nystrom got some, like, 130-point season? No, I think Nystrom's – I can look it up. I think it's 
twenty or something like that as the record. I know Carpenter was coming close at at that, but uh, I'm pretty sure Nice from still has the record. Uh, well, basketball. Uh, since I've apparently already forgot the Omaha game, we can just skip to talking about Utah. Uh, Steve, kind of what were what were the high points for you watching the Gophers in their win last night? first off getting the win was awesome um well i mean it's kind of tongue-in-cheek but at the same time after last year's disaster you're never quite sure how this team's going to come out playing a um pretty quality opponent i mean utah is going to end up somewhere in the middle of the pac-12 which is a power five conference um they matched up well with us on ken palm coming into the game but it really aside from a three minutes stretch in the second half wasn't really ever in doubt, which is kind of cool. But um, I think it was seeing the freshmen really contribute was, was good to see um, Eric Curry's out. Uh, so we're seeing Daniel Turu and Gabe Kalisher step up and Gabe Kalisher led all scorers with 19 points last night. He had five threes. He looked like he was an upperclassman. It was awesome. And um, Jordan Murphy was, was there for his second double-double of the year, pulled down 17 quiet rebounds, and dished out five assists, which um, Patino called out in his blog today as a, as a recap. But across the board, lots of scoring, lots of good shooting. The guys shot 52%. Um, it was a quality effort, so uh, looking forward to seeing what's coming down here around the corner. They have a pretty tough stretch as far as non-conference goes. Um, they're heading out to Vancouver next weekend for the Vancouver showcase, which, um, there's a lot of, uh, boring details about how that event came together and fell apart and was reattached as a non-bracketed tournament, but they're going to face, um, Texas A&M, Washington, a top 25 team, um, and Santa Clara, uh, which is kind of a throwaway game, but they're getting two quality opponents out of it. And after that, they face Boston college on the road as part of the ACC, uh, big 10 challenge. They have Oklahoma State here in Minneapolis at the U.S. Bank or at U.S. Bank Stadium as part of a new event they're putting together, and then those two stupid early conference games, uh, early conference season games um, against Ohio State, Nebraska. So they'll be tested early, um, but the first showing here against Utah was was definitely positive. How dare you take a shot at Jim Delaney's pride and joy the early December conference games? Oh man, I'm so sick of this already. It's just like. It just doesn't make it doesn't make any sense. You play these two conference games, Ohio State, Nebraska, like two good games. You're playing two good teams. Don't get me wrong, but then you just jump back into playing Arkansas State, North Florida, freaking Mount St. Mary's. I mean, it's I don't know. It, I don't like it. At least they got rid of the really absurd gap, and uh, like the well, the, the combination of the really absurd condensed schedule at points during the season and then the stupid gap before the NCAA tournament. That's true. That's true. Although I think they're still on this on this train of what trying to have the Big Ten tournament super early again. I don't know. Uh, is, that is it I don't think or, it is it super early cuz cuz they're not at Madison this Madison Square Garden this year. They're at uh Was that a one year thing? Yeah, that I was, think it's I think I think it's going to be a thing any year that they're at Madison Square Garden. Well, at least at least until the the rights get out. But yeah, no, it's back to the normal weekend this year. The problem was last year is the uh, is the Big East has uh, that final weekend oh, observed yeah. at Madison Big. Square Garden. So <laughs> double reason. Isn't, isn't it Chicago this year? I thought it was in DC, or was DC the year no, before? No, DC Square was the year before. I'm pretty sure it's either back to Chicago or Indy. Um, I, could, I could tell Probably you in back a minute. to the Midwest. 
Thank God. Somewhere in the Midwest is fine. But yeah, the Gophers. The Gophers got a couple impact freshmen here. Um, should be interesting. They're going to have some good depth, too, when Eric Curry gets back. Biggest surprise for you? Was it Gabe or somebody else? Uh, I think it was Gabe. Um, I did not expect that shooting output, but um, also Patino is just in love with this guy, too, from a from a work standpoint, from a hustle standpoint. Um, he's pretty good on defense. Um, he's also just a, a gym rat in terms of he's first there. He's the first one to show up, last to leave. Um, he's really showing some some uh, a, a, a well-rounded game, and I think it's going to pay out here just in terms of playing time. Um, it's interesting to see two guys starting this early in the season who are freshmen, but he looks like again like an upperclassman. It's it's pretty crazy. Oh, also, also we saw the uh, debut on TV, I suppose, on national TV of the new white floor at Williams Arena, the barn. Uh, you could barely see the Gophers in their white uniforms on uh, white on white, but you know, it's what we got now. And the <laughs> the fan responses on Twitter were not good. Yeah, I had uh, a friend text me, and she was livid. And I'm like, she's like, it's gray. I'm like, it's not gray. It is a light stain on a wood floor. And she was she. I, I told her that if she was following Patino on Twitter, like she should be then she would have been totally prepared for this and could have already moved on with her life before being frustrated. But apparently that was not not to be. To be fair, the floor before also sucked. I think this one's a little more modern. Maybe it's what the kids like. I don't know. I mean, if it results in more recruits, I'm all for it. <laughs> Andy, uh, your, your quick first impressions from last night? Yeah, you know, I mean, I think uh, ha- having an outside threat and, and uh, in Calcher is definitely going to help this team. Um, we all know Dupree McBrayer can shoot the three when he's on. Uh, Matt Hurt can shoot the three when, when he's open. So, you know, having more shooters and having to be able to spread that floor and actually have threats from the outside is only going to help uh, teams from bogging down on, on Jordan Murphy in the middle, uh, especially come Big Ten time. So, you know, I, I think... Uh, this team still has a lot of work to do, but if they can put all the pieces together and stay healthy and get Eric Curry back, and uh, I, I don't see why this team can't be a you know top half of the Big Ten team and definitely be uh, you know looking at uh, you know hopefully a uh, you know upper single digit seed in the NCAA tournament if everything uh, plays out right. So I love this optimism week we get to have. This is this is wonderful. Uh, another positive development for basketball at Minnesota. Uh, Lindsay Whalen had her first game, uh, sellout capacity crowd at Williams Arena, a new record for uh, women's basketball at Minnesota. Andy, just kind of want to give us a quick recap of how that went. Yeah, the uh, Lindsay Whalen era has officially begun. Uh, Friday night, the Gophers hosted New Hampshire and uh, easily took care of them, 70-47. to 47. Um, It was a We'll, we'll say sellout crowd in quotation marks. It wasn't quite a full barn. Um, but, you know, there are a lot of late arrivals coming over from the volleyball game on the other side of the wall there. But, uh, you know, I think uh, the, you see a lot of the, the similarities. Uh, the offense is going to be very similar to what Marlene Stallings run. The Gophers like to, to run and keep the ball moving, and they'll run on a make, they'll run on a miss, they'll run on a turnover uh, as much as they can. Uh, the difference you see between the uh, Lindsay Ware and era teams and the Marlene Tellier teams is um, this team might actually play defense. Is that allowed? I, I've, I've heard that might be important when it comes to playing basketball every once in a while. So, 
Um, but yeah, no, Gophers got off to a 70-47 start. Um, surprisingly, the high score for Minnesota was uh, center Annalise Lamke. Uh, she scored 21 points. So you're like, okay, 21 points, that's a good game. Well, just to, just to put that into perspective, she scored 18 points all season last year. She has 61 points to in her career. She's a senior. She has 61 points in her career before Friday night. So uh, things are changing a little bit with with Whalen. Um, they're going to use the uh, the post position a little bit more, it appears, which is something that'll be interesting to watch. But uh, you know they've got uh, senior All Big Ten Kenesha Bell. She threw in 17 points, about her average last year, and uh, you know Ty Bello had a double double, 14 points, 14 rebounds. So through one game, the Gophers are looking good. Uh, new rankings came out, whether it's the Whalen effect or whether they national voters actually think this team is, is a legitimate top team in the country. They uh, they came in at 25th in the AP poll this week, so it's the first time the Gophers have been ranked in four seasons. And, uh, you know, they uh, will move on and uh, continue. They get their first road game this Wednesday night uh, at Xavier. And, uh, yeah. Uh, Andy, hockey, split with the Badgers. Anything big come out of that that was exciting for you? Yeah, you know, the the the, uh, the hockey team went into Madison, start of Big Ten play. Uh, they got a 3-2 win on Friday night, which was uh, interesting because they didn't play amazingly well, but they scored three goals in a minute and 24 seconds, and that was all they needed to do is to, is to get the win. Um, and then they lost 3-1 to on Saturday. Uh, this team, for as much offensive talent as they have, has a problem putting the puck in the net right now. Uh, I don't know why. They have a lot of goal scorers, but it's uh, not working right now. Uh, their their one goal game on Saturday is now the, I believe it's the fourth or fifth game out of their last five or six where they've only scored one goal. So uh, that would be a problem. Hopefully this team can uh, get back to it. They host St. Lawrence this weekend at Mariucci, Friday and Saturday. Uh, St. Lawrence is not very good, so um, hopefully the Gophers can uh, get back to it and we can hear the battle hymn Saturday night. So, uh, Andy, I have a question for you, uh, ho- uh, hockey-related. Um, looking at the rankings here, and the Gophers are the only team in the top 20 that has a sub-500 record. Um, now, is that are they, are they still hanging around, like hanging on the top 20 because of their wins so far because of their reputation like what's going on like how they're still hanging around at like two four and one well it's a little a little b i mean they did beat umd who's the number one team in the country right now they did uh they did win and tie against them so that that is you know the one major positive on their season uh going into it but you know there's there's always the minnesota effect where uh the voters are are reluctant to kick Minnesota out of it, they start to give them the, the benefit of the doubt when it comes to Minnesota or another, you know, non-less marquee-named team. So um, they dropped three slots again. Uh, they were 16th in the country, then they dropped three slots after splitting with Wisconsin. So, um, you know, if they if they don't get a sweep this weekend, they'll probably be completely out of the rankings uh, coming up next weekend. And uh, frankly, they deserve it. I mean, other than, other than those first two games of the season against UMD where it looked like Things were going great. They have not uh, played well so far under the uh, Motsko era, and you know it's it's a it's an adjustment period. You can sort of expect some of that, but uh, you know this team really has the offensive firepower. Even you know playing in a different system, it's it's sort of a 
tough thing to try and figure out why they can't put the puck in the net right now. But that's what's happening, and hopefully they can get things figured out before they uh, really get back into the center of the Big Ten because uh, the fans are not going to like it much if they're in the bottom half of the Big Ten yet again uh, after last season. Ranked behind Arizona State. Never thought I'd see the day. Well, that there's a surprise team for you. Arizona State has looked amazing so far this year. Um, they've got the number one leading goal scorer in the country named uh, Johnny Walker, which is just appropriate for a kid who goes to Arizona State. Um, and, you know, Minnesota will actually see him here. The last weekend of the year, uh, Arizona State comes into Mariucci for a pair for a series that, you know, you would have thought was a throwaway uh, early in the season, but now you look at it, and it may actually have pairwise implications if both teams continue to be uh, in a decent trajectory. So uh, could be a could be a big series between the Sun Devils and the Gophers last week of the year, or beginning of March. Um, I would like to I would like to quibble and say that the most appropriate Arizona State name for a player would be Natural Light. I I I mean yeah, but you 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 know I'm I'm sure they drink their fair share of okay I mean it's probably like Phillips brand but you know I, I don't think liquor is uh, too hard to come by in Tempe Arizona. <laughs> uh, soccer soccer had their big uh, win over Auburn in the NCAA tournament first road tournament win in Minnesota's history correct. Correct, yeah. They were uh, 0-8 previously on the road in the NCAA tournament. So, uh, big 2 nothing win. Um, Emily Bakken, Big Ten Forward of the Year, picked up two more assists. She didn't score this time like she was doing all through their Big Ten tournament run. Uh, but two assists. She now has 27 for her career, third most all-time in program history. Um, and uh, it won't be, uh, won't be an easy task. Friday night, the Gophers head to L.A., uh, and play the number two seeded UCLA Bruins on their own field. Um, so yeah, the Gophers will have to pull one hell of an upset to uh, keep this miracle run running. But uh, you know, when you look at it two weeks ago, when it looks like they they squeaked in as the number seven seed in the Big Ten tournament and probably had to to make some noise to even make the NCAA tournament, and now that you're talking about a a run to the second round, that's uh, pretty impressive for this team. I mean, at this point, at this point, guys, I guess we're really looking at predictions. Um, I'm feeling I'm going to go optimistic this week and, and just start the start the the trend here. Hopefully, I'm going to say Minnesota wins a sloppy but enjoyable 24 to 21 game over Northwestern. Uh, anybody anybody want to get on the optimism train with me? I'm there. What do you got? What's your prediction? Oh boy, I think I'm going to roll with this uh, hardcore defense, and I'm liking a, a repeat of a, a, a 41 to 10 output. Jeez, keep it going! Wow, wait, hold on. Did I actually just hear you suggest that Minnesota was going to put another whooping on a team? On the Big Ten West champion, no less. That's right. That's right. Putting your marker down, I like it, Blake. I can't. I'm not quite there. I, I think there's it's one of those games where I have the same feeling with Nebraska and Illinois. I mean, different scenarios, but everything seemed to indicate that Minnesota should win this game. Um, but I, I just can't do it. I think Northwestern wins 20-17 to 17 and squeaks out another one. Andy? Uh, I'll first start off and say, uh, I'm sorry, Emmett Carpenter, I did you wrong. Uh, I went back and checked, and he and Dan Nystrom are tied. Uh, for the all-time school record with that 109 uh, point output. Um, 
so sorry to to give him some shade um I, I'm gonna I'm gonna stay on the side of karma. I, I kind of agree with Blake that this feels like you know after after we beat up on Purdue that everybody's starting to turn around to the sunny side again. And then what happened is um, we went into our next game and got shellacked. Now I don't necessarily think we're gonna get shellacked in this game, um, but you know I'm just gonna pretend like Purdue didn't happen last week, and we'll just try and stay in the karma. Karma, the right side of the karma. Um, Northwestern thirty-four, Minnesota twenty-seven. So, are you saying that Steve is going to single-handedly screw us with karma? Is that what you're saying? No, no. I, I I'm just saying I don't want to pick a Gopher win because I've picked Gopher wins against Nebraska, and then I picked a Gopher win against Illinois, and bad, very, very bad things happened in both those games. So. I'm just going to stick with my prediction of a Northwestern win. And if I'm wrong, well, I hope I'm wrong. Got it. So everything is your fault. Understood. That, that's what everybody in the Slack chat tells me. So. <laughs> oh, and on that note, thanks again for listening to the Sky U podcast. Go Gophers. Sky U Ma, row the boat.